Turn
seated. How great to be in the house of the Lord today, and to know that He's with us. We are together in His name. We appreciate you being here so much. If you're a guest today, we take just a moment to welcome you. Thank you for coming to share in this service time today. For those that have joined us, Facebook Live and KTHS Radio, we welcome you today. It's good to be in God's house. It's wintertime in the Ozarks. Not fun. Had to write a new policy for the insurance renewal. You know, they want all the detail of what you're going to do with real bad cold weather. So I wrote that policy up, sent it in, and I'm sick and tired of practicing what I wrote. <laughs> I wrote too much in there for me and not enough for the staff. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> They're just things that they want you to do to try to stay on top of these kind of things, and that I understand it. And we still have difficulties when we do all the things that we try to do that they think will make you safe. We're just not built for this. Or maybe I should say, I'm just not built for this. I told Adam this morning, I had all this, send it back north with his family. They can have it. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. The receptacles here at the church and the mail and online, your faithfulness is so appreciated. Be sure to remember now, <clears throat> tonight, men's leadership study at 6 o'clock this evening. We're going to get this in before another storm hits, hopefully. But it's going to get warm. We're going to have Wednesday night this week. Got a few believers with me. I'm believing what the forecast says. It's going to get better. <laughs> then also the women's study coming up. Be sure and sign up. That's going to get started. Kids choir, 
new generation after school this week, and we'll be back in full swing and enjoy the time of being together. Today, I want to talk to you about the importance of determination. Last week, we talked about the walls of Jericho, Nehemiah. They lay in ruins for at least 140 years by the time Nehemiah shows up on the scene. Many people thought the walls could never be rebuilt. And actually, the people, they felt hopeless. They were not even thinking about the walls being rebuilt by this time. They just had accepted their doom. But I think it's interesting to note, what did God do? God had something else in mind. I'm thankful for those times in life when God just nudges us and says, but I've got something else in mind. He transformed an ordinary cupbearer into an extraordinary leader. The walls and the gates were transformed, rebuilt in 52 days. Last week, I spoke about how to inspire ourselves toward our burden. For that to happen, that we had to be practical, yes. Hopefully, before the end of this message this morning, that we can see how we can turn our burden into an actual ministry. There are so many ministries that the Lord wants to accomplish in the body of Christ today. The year was 444 B.C. There was work to be done. The walls were down. The gates had been burned. Nehemiah gets the news. He's simply the cupbearer who worked in the household of the king of Persia. It was his job not to let anything get by that would poison the king or cause his death or even get close to the king. He told of the importance of that because if it wasn't for him, things could get pretty dicey for the king. You got to have those protectors. We looked at some of the attributes that made him successful. He was the kind of guy who was able to sit down and cry. When he received the news, that's what he did. Then he knelt to pray. And he fasted. And he called upon God. And he positioned his heart to be the heart of a leader and a conqueror. After he got all of those things positioned, then he stood up to act. He could not contain his emotions. And he could not contain the fact that he was one, the one that God was calling to do something. And really, when you think about it, something spectacular. He wasn't building contractor or a priest or a prophet or a king. He was a cupbearer. He had no talents in these areas, except he knew how to protect the king. He knew how to eat poison first. And God reached down and anointed him. Be sure you understand, 
to make a difference in your life and your world, you don't have to be the best. You must care the most. To make a huge difference in whatever God speaks to you about, you can be as ordinary as anyone you've ever known. But when you respond to God's call and God's word and God's plan, here's what happens. You become a majority with God. His power working in and through your heart and your life will make a difference that nobody else can make. Nehemiah said somebody had to do something. <clears throat> Sad part of our day is there are so many that probably in the, was the same in his day that never felt good enough, that don't feel significant, that you never have a real position of influence. You are not necessarily world class. But the fact that you're moved by what God speaks to your heart about and that you believe that with God you can turn your burden into a ministry, what a difference that type of person really makes. Reminded of a man that felt God had called him into the ministry as a young person. He had a burden for many, many years that from the time he was a teenager that he would one day start a church. <clears throat> he went to the denomination where he'd worshipped all of his life, and no one would help him with his burden. He just kept digging, he kept believing, and kept fishing because he believed there was someone out there who would help him. That's the purpose for which I want to talk about today. As many may have something you'd like to see God do, something maybe even supernaturally possibly, but in the ordinary, <clears throat> you just can't see it coming to pass. Well, today, I believe God can take our burdens and empower us to become the kind of leader who can make a difference in this life, in this area, in our life, in our family, in our community. Like the Jews felt about the wall, maybe. You thought that it'll just, it'll just never happen. There's, there's no need to even try. And there are testimonies here sitting in this congregation today that God has miraculously turned families around even though they felt like there was no hope. The miracle of Jesus made it happen. You're in this building, maybe you're listening online or on the radio. I believe we're at a time that God is speaking to us, and we'll get to the place. We'll get to the place where we can say, just look what the Lord has done. Just look at what the Lord has done. You, know, you can't go through life as a Christian, really, with your eyes closed, not having a mission or a strategy. So today I want to talk about a couple of determination builders, something that will help build in us a determination to see and believe what God has said and what God will do. 
Number one, if you're going to be the kind of leader who makes a difference, you're going to need to define the mission pretty clearly. Nehemiah met with the king of Persia. The king asked him what, what, he, what he wanted. And in the second chapter, verse 4, the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. You know, to do what God wants you to do, to fulfill any burden, <clears throat> to see any vision come to pass, to see something go from zero to hero, you're going to need <laughs> that time of fasting and prayer. That is God's will. You need to be spending time with God. So verse 5, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so I can rebuild the wall. Notice with me that this is the clear vision of what Nehemiah desired to do. There are other things he could have said, you know, he could have said, I want to go get rid of the corrupt politicians out there. He could have said, I want to help improve their economy. He could have said, I want to get even with those who took the walls down. That's not what he said at all. Because that was not his burden. So here's the real question for us today. What is God calling you to do? Whatever it is, bring it down to something very definable. I read about a man, he's sick and tired of being in debt. So he decided he wanted to lead his family to be debt free. And he decided he was going to do it in 24 months. That's being decisive, that's having a vision. A young man who played sports in high school got saved, and he, he decided to talk to his teammates. He led two of them to Christ and helped them be baptized. He said that his burden was he wanted to lead all of his teammates to Christ before he graduated from high school. What a tremendous vision. He had about 18 months to get it done. See, here's, here's the problem if we don't stop to realize this. If you can't define it, you can't do it. So you need to be able to define it. Nehemiah was ready because before he went to the king, he cried, he knelt, he prayed, he fasted. And then when he got up to act, he went to the king. And when the king quizzed him, Nehemiah didn't have to think about what he wanted to do. He had his mission defined clearly. This is what I want to do. The second thing is a changer world leader must make spirit-anointed plans carefully. Now, there's a lot in that phrase. Spirit-anointed plans carefully. The Amaz mission was to rebuild the walls. However, <clears throat> a great mission and a great vision are just dreams if we do not take it further. The questions really were this. How is it going? How is he going to do it? Vision, how are we going to do this? 
And the second one is, who is going to need, who's he going to need to make it happen? Because that was a whole lot bigger mission than he could do on his own. And I really kind of believe God's calling us to something greater than what we can do by ourselves. Amen? But remember, he's a thousand miles away. So he's going to need help. Since he was fasting and praying, God began to speak to him during this process, I propose, to develop the how. See, if you're going to reach, for instance, a family member for the Lord in this coming year, you need to develop a plan, a strategy of how you intend to do it. How many times do you intend to stay in touch with them, a relationship with them, and, and be with them? How much effort are you going to be putting into that possible influence? So the king asked Nehemiah, well, when are you coming back? That's a good question. My cupbearer's going to be going somewhere else. I want to know who's replacing him. <laughs> and are you coming back? Nehemiah said, I've set a time, but this is what I need. I love how he made this transition immediately. <laughs> I've set a time, be at peace. But I need letters to the governors of Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. See, he'd already thought this thing through. They will need to know that I'm on official business and give me guidance and protection. Do you think this cupbearer just thought of this on his own? I believe that's a spirit-anointed plan. Secondly, he said, I need a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's force, so that he will give me timber to make beams for the gates, and the city wall will be rebuilt. Some of the commentaries on this stated that Nehemiah had already begun to work, planning, praying, and believing for him to even know who the keeper of the king's force was in the first place. <laughs> you know, it wasn't something you could Google. And find out he had to dig and deep digging to learn the name of the individual who was in charge. So it made him look like he knew a lot, didn't it? You see, Nehemiah did not wait until he was on the scene to get his plan together. Sometimes in fulfilling our vision and seeing our burden, we're, we're so tempted in the world that we live in today is just to show up and say, God, do what you said you would do. Yet the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and guidance and says, you need to be engaged in the ministry. You need to be engaged in the process. The, the real key is preparation in anything will determine your success. Preparation. Preparation. This pastor told about he had a friend. He'd wait until about two hours before church to start talking to God about his message. Now, I know God's all-powerful. 
But I'm going to tell you, I didn't get up at 3 o'clock this morning to get this. This has been brewing for days. The pastor would challenge him maybe to prepare earlier, and he comes back and say, but mine is fresh. That's wonderful, but I found out that God can anoint a person who is prepared to do the task a lot easier than the person who just flies by the seat of his pants. Well, two or three of us agree. What am I saying? I'm saying preparation in anything determines success. Preparation. Our task is to reach one more soul for Jesus. We can't just do that slap happy wise. We need to strategically be on God's plan. We're going to do everything we can do here at Church on the Hill to see that that happens. And that's the reason a lot of people do what they do in this church is because the bottom line is souls. People need to see the miraculous hand of God move on their behalf. People need to know that when we pray, God hears and he answers. And I believe that. They need to believe like we believe. We want others to believe like we believe. Well, what do we really believe, Pastor? I think the bottom line is this. It is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. As a believer, when we are on a mission and we know the burden that God has given us, we're focused. And that will inspire others to be passionately focused also. Anyone who has ever raised to a top-level position or a high-level achievement, they didn't get there by themselves. Kind of like the old illustration. First one I ever heard tell it was Larry Moore. He said, you can be assured that if you find a turtle on top of a fence post, he didn't get there by himself. There's a lot of truth to that statement. Somebody had to help him get there. Nehemiah knew that they had a tremendous task ahead of them. He'd already received the king's approval. He'd already gotten permission to get all the timber he wanted to build it. He'd already gone through the city. To observe the walls, he went late at night when everyone else was sleeping to survey and evaluate the situation. Now he comes to the people, and he says, verses 17 and 18, Then I said to them, You see the trouble that we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me, and that the king had said to me, they replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. Now notice He told them to look at the walls. This was their city. 
This was their walls. They'd been down for more than 140 years, and they had accepted their plight. Many believed they would never be rebuilt. And here comes along this cup barrier. No professional. No expert training. And he says these words. Let's rebuild the wall. We're no longer going to be in disgrace. And then he told them, look what God has done. <clears throat> look what God has done through an enemy of ours, the king of Persia. He supplied protection. He supplied the wood. And he's permitted me to do this great work. Don't tell me God is not still in the miracle working business. Because my Bible tells me he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Are we in yesterday? Are we in today? Yes. Are we in forever? Not yet. But he's the same. In other words, this is an expression of a vision and a burden. You look and you ask yourself, what do you weep over that causes the heart of God to weep? What is it that God is saying? What initiative are we taking now to accomplish something supernatural for God in our day? Now, some of you are going to be inspired to step out and do something spectacular in the Lord with a huge sacrifice. What's Nehemiah again? He's just a cupbearer. He's a glorified butler. I could really go somewhere with that, couldn't I? He wasn't the best. Mm -mm. He wasn't. But he cared the most. He cared the most. I love what John Wesley said, and you probably remember it in case you don't. Here it is. Light yourself on fire with passion, and people will come for miles to watch you burn. There's a lot of truth to that statement. Uh-huh. And we know it's true. When you get excited and you share what God is doing in your life, other people become inspired and desire to follow your vision and your dream, or they'll come watch you burn. He said, with these walls down, we're not honoring our fathers and our mothers. We're not building a city that will protect our future children and grandchildren. The temple is not in any condition that it can say that it's God-honoring. It is a disgrace. Already God has given us the nod to see miracles take place. He says, basically, I'm going to make no bones about it. We're on a running clock. What he's really saying, our knuckles are going to be bleeding. Our hands are going to be calloused. Our feet are going to hurt. We're going to have sleepless nights, and we're not going to be able to stop the clock. We're going to have to keep at it. 
Not only that, but the political enemies who despise and hate us will come against us also. Now, isn't that an inspiring motivational speech to go to work with? No. Sanballat and Tobiah are foes who will do anything they can and lie and use every evil influence to try to stop us. But here's the motivation part. But we cannot be stopped. I want to encourage you as a follower of Jesus to find out what your mission is. I want to encourage you to honor the mission of the church, which is to help people connect their faith and their life, and let's be involved in God's process. I want to encourage you to be unselfish. Invite your friends to church. Plan how to follow up and stay with them until they have a change and get, in, and get them a good running start with a relationship with Jesus. Nehemiah said, we can settle for the routine and the average. We can live like everyone else who does not require faith. We can live a good life. But at the end of the day, when we look back, when we ask ourselves, What did I do for me? What did I do for society? What did I do for culture? But even a better question really would be, what did I do for God? What am I leaving behind that is light and makes so much darkness? Am I leaving behind something that serves as an example of the promise and the covenant? What present gift am I giving that will declare the desire to serve God and not serve men? I don't know about you, but I don't want to leave a museum behind. I want to leave a trauma center that's been able to touch the lives of lost people and hurting people and their lives be changed. You see, when we engage, when we lift our face and and we push our shoulders back and we come prepared we're prepared to walk into the middle of a storm yeah but you'll know there's an anointing upon you because after you fasted and prayed and sought God you will see what God can do we've seen in this day a lot of things man can do I'm more interested in seeing what God can do what God can do other people will look at you and declare that something, something must be happening in their life. I see them changing. What's happening is your misery can become your ministry, and you're applying that. And then at the end of our life, we'll be able to say, and I think this would be a wonderful testimony for all believers to be able to say, in this material world, I left everything on the field. I left everything. But when we stand before God, because we know the power of the Holy Spirit functioning in a faith-filled life, and our faith, our trust, our confidence is in the truth of the Word of God, I don't think you will ever hear any greater declaration than well done thou good and faithful servant. You see, it's important to have a mission, and we're clear 
about what God is going to do and clear about what God is doing. As we decide to let the Spirit of God flow through you, that we just all are an instrument. And we use what God has given us into our hands, into our heart, to honor and glory God. Let's remember again what John Wesley said, if you set yourself on fire, people will come to watch you burn. That's what happened to Nehemiah. He's not the best at necessarily anything but he cared the most. Let's let that be our commitment. Maybe not the most talented. Maybe not the most gifted. But he really cared. She really cared. Greg Lomer says you've got to get up every morning with determination if you're going to go to bed with satisfaction. A lot of truth in that statement. As the worship team comes, George Allen said people of mediocre abilities sometimes achieve outstanding success because they don't know when to quit. Most men succeed because they're determined to. That's how important determination is. God, we care most about the mission and the lives of people who need to be redeemed. We care. May we ever be a church that cares. As I continue to close, <laughs> my closure is getting longer. Ben Herberson said, The greatest waste in the world is the difference between what we are and what we could become. I don't want to waste any of that, do you? When I got up this morning, I sensed the Holy Spirit. Whispering to my heart, Psalm 68. Mark it, read it. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. As you stand and as we worship, let's let God arise and his enemies be scattered. If you need to make peace with God this morning, I'm here to pray with you. If you are needing guidance in your life, whatever your need is, I'd love to pray with you. That's your decision. That's your choice. But we're going to worship, and you have that opportunity now. I know you live 
so much for being here this morning. You're here for the first time. Pastor Keith is in the front foyer. That's a foyer behind you. We'd love to meet with you. The rest of you, God bless you. Hopefully we'll see you Wednesday night. Ladies, remember the sign up. 